The story you're about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. For example, Andy's name has been changed to Linda. This is a story about four podcasters. The topic, true crime. The show, Attack of the Killer podcast. The time, now. My name is Insane Mike. I carry a badge. It came in a box of Cracker Jacks. True crime on this episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Hello, gang, and welcome to Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike. This is episode 241, True Crime. Now, Attack of the Killer Podcast is not a true crime podcast. We are actually a horror movie podcast. We're a group of friends. We get together, we pick a topic, and we discuss films within that topic. And this time, it just happens to be true crime horror movies. Now, we speak openly and freely on this show, so there may be spoilers. Warning you now. Get over it. If you like the show, you can help support it. Jointheattackers.com is our Patreon site where um, you can become what we call an attacker. Attackers are supporters of the show, and they get all kinds of awesome extra content for showing their support. One thing you can get is a shout-out on the show, much like our newest attackers, West Worthing and Chris Reeves. Hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> West joined our Rock and Roll Nightmare tier. Oh, yeah. And Chris signed up for the Final Chapter tier. What does that mean? You're going to have to no figure. I have no idea. <laughs> Come on. You have never been to the <laughs> jointheattackers.com, have you? I'm not paying to not listen to the show I don't listen to. Come on. You're really selling it, Ted. <laughs> I'm joking. Of course, Wes is awesome. The perks are great. Uh, join, join the attackers. <laughs> <laughs> now, both of those tiers, though, are full of amazing content for them to enjoy. We here at Attack of Killer Podcast want to welcome Wes and Chris to the cult. I mean, to the unique group known as the attackers. <laughs> Thank you, Wes and Chris, for your support. You guys rock! I know they couldn't see my... You were really doing the double horns horns. and everything. It was pretty cool. Now, attackers can get other great benefits as well, like a membership card, certificate, and sticker, uh, video series like video updates, killer critiques, Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten list. You also get bonus episodes and early access to the main episode. You can even get your own Attack of the Killer podcast t-shirt. You can also get like original art by me uh, that we call Mikey's Monsters, where I draw you as a monster. There's so much cool stuff. I just can't take it. Come on, join the fun. You know what? You know you want to. Go to jointheattackers.com. Sign up for the tier that best suits you. Again, that's jointheattackers.com. Do it today. Guys, this is actually a really good time to get signed up, too. Uh, because we're having a contest. Um, if you go over to contest at AOTKP.com or go to join the attackers, if you get signed up as an attacker, we got four or five uh, different prize packs of really, really cool stuff that uh, once you're an attacker, we're going to do random drawings and uh, you're going to get cool stuff. We did this last year to um, 
before and it went really well and uh, we're excited to be doing it again. It's your chance to win even more free stuff. Join the attackers.com. Sweet. And now it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. As a reminder, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. He was a serial killer who only killed priests on Sundays. He was a mass murderer. Edith, everybody. That's you, Ted. What? (laughs) (laughs) He's been looking for his old girlfriend's killer, but no one wants to do it. Chester! That's definitely me. (laughs) Okay, I don't know who the next one is. That's good. He went to college to study true crime. It was murder in the first degree. Gilbert! Hi? Hi, I'm not Gilbert. And thanks for listening. Well, I guess it's safe to say none of you guys are innocent, <laughs> so it's, it's Tad, Andy, and Jason. I think we're all just confused. Welcome to Attack of the Killer Podcast. <laughs> now, Shudder is an online streaming service that is perfect for any horror fan. With so much content, such as classic films, newer movies, series, original, sh- original shows, even podcasts. If you like horror in any way, you need Shudder. As a gift to you, Attack of the Killer Podcast is giving you a full month of Shudder for free. That's right, free! Do I need to spell it out for you? F-R-E-E-E-E. Enter our promo code AOTKP and begin your journey into the glory that is Shudder. That promo code again is AOTKP. Shutter's full. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I might want to go check my shutter. <laughs> okay, where was I? Um, you never know. <laughs> yeah. All right, so do it. Yeah, get signed up for Shutter. It's awesome. Get a free month. AOTKP. Uh, one thing I wish we had here on the show was an outlet to talk about movies. And now we do. Here's Tad with what we watched. What we watched. All right. Let's start out with Jason. What have you watched? Oh, my God. I got so many things. Uh, There was, uh, remember the other day we watched Zombies? That was awesome. That was, was that. A, I'm a bum, I'm bummed. I missed that. You should be. Oh, it wasn't too bad. I completely forgot we watched I that. Know, I, don't, right? I don't even. I, I don't even have it on my uh, letterbox. It was so bad. Uh, hey, it wasn't that bad. You yes, it gave was. It two stars. I you gave f- it one star. Oh, okay, nice try. Because it was terrible. But it was. It was one of those. Uh, you know, when you get to. That's one of the things you get to do to us is make us watch these movies. Is a as an attacker, this was Ashlyn's pick, and uh, she didn't pick this one, but she picked uh, the other Cockneys versus Zombies. And then yeah. at the last minute, uh, Amazon Prime was like, "Nope, that's not free anymore." So she picked Zombies instead. So it's her fault. Don't blame me. I also watched um, the New Mutants. Oh yeah, it was good. It was just a run of shit films, huh? Come on. Oh. Um, I did watch um, Good on Paper. That was pretty good. It was a little comedy. 
was the the story of my writing Eliza slushing filmmaking career. Come on, there was I, I I watched a shit ton of awesome TV though. Um, I watched uh, well, it's a great it's a great week for me because uh, He Man Revelation came out and that was freaking good. And then the the, the need to see that. Yeah, dude, yeah, it's too. it's really freaking good. That's on Netflix, and also on Netflix, uh, the uh, War for Cybertron has been in a trilogy, and the third part just came out this weekend too, called oh, cool. Kingdom, and it's freaking great. It's kind of like the ish Beast Wars ish version of of the new show. It's really great. I love it. Transformers. <clears throat> I finished off season two of Dark Side of the Ring. That's right. Can't not talk about man, it. You really got through it. Nice. I did, man. It's so good. So now that I'm done, Mike, you can start. I, no, <laughs> yeah, I have exactly. a question. Uh-huh. Um, for those who are not attackers, uh, first off, gross. But um, right. if you are <laughs> and you listen to the bonus that's attached to this, we talk a little bit about oh, what intrigues us. And Jason does not like true crime because it's a bummer. There's nothing fucking sadder than the show, Jason. There, It's true. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't regret watching it. Do I? Why? Well, <laughs> See, uh, you're just trying to get me is what you're trying to I'm do just, right I'm now. just curious how you binge watch this, which is sadder than any fucking thing I've you ever m- seen. You might be right. I guess for me, it's just that attachment to the wrestling. Well, it's just this thing I had in my life since I was a kid. I mean, I haven't watched wrestling in 20 years, you know. Uh, but, but nothing's more uplifting than seeing Chris Benoit take oh, out his family. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, no, awful. Oh yeah, so dark guess, dark being the operative word here. Yeah, that's all <laughs> yeah. caps on this show. <laughs> but yeah, just the you know you spend your whole life thinking that this fun thing was one way, and then you get to see there were some stories that weren't so fun. It's like all like it feels like every wrestler has a dark backstory somewhere. It feels like it now, right? So maybe as an addendum to the bonus episode for the attackers, like I guess the. The, just the the learning about the knowledge of the history of it is uh, I don't know it doesn't affect me I I you know I don't because you don't change you anything don't, I don't you're not a wrestler you don't hang out with wrestlers so there's a disconnect yeah to the subject matter except for the nostalgia part of having watched it as a kid and yeah and it's neat but it's just like wow. Um, I watched, uh, the McCartney three, two, one. Um, it's on Hulu. I'm two episodes in. It's fantastic. Gosh, dang. It's amazing. It's yeah. Maybe six episodes or so, but Rick Rubin and him just sit down in this room full of instruments and old tapes. And it's like, I, I don't know. As a musician, you don't, a lot of musicians don't really listen to their work. And so imagine Paul McCartney, who's created a million songs, and it's clear in those first few episodes, like he's listening, and like Rick Rubin has the tracks that he can uh, use a mixer on, the and mul- take yeah, out, the multi tracks, and take out the drums, add, just play the bass, and like it's clear that Paul is hearing these tracks for the first time in forty years, wow. and and even learning things about it. You know, he's wow. maybe never even heard these versions in a while let alone separated like this and just and and rick is just the ultimate producer and he's just asked the great questions and is just it's just great seeing those two interact getting just to see rick rubin too is awesome and 
What's really yeah. cool is how they like they set up the soundboard in the middle of the room with some speakers and those two, and they have a camera that like circles the uh-huh. the space, the entire entirety of it. So there's just this like steady cam on a track that just slowly circles them, and that's what like a lot of the footage comes from. And it's sort of hypnotizing. It's black and white. It's really weird. I don't know how to explain it, but you know, I feel like we get so much Beatles. Uh, uh-huh stuff and it's like what else can i possibly watch well this is totally different you know it's actually involving one of them and and you know rick rubin's production knowledge um adds another level and now i want one of these series with brian wilson but i'm afraid he's too far gone uh yeah to really what's what's mccartney and rubin is is that was this called Called mccartney three two one oh okay yeah that sounds really interesting as being an artist myself especially like a filmmaker i i cannot watch for years i can't watch my own work without just you know looking at the technical side not not actually watching those move our movies as movies sure you know and so oh the yeah, cu- the at, curiosity at of least like once such an episode a, he's so he, disconnected from it at least once an episode he turns to rick with the most sincere look and is like <clears throat> that's really good and we're like, duh, yeah, we all know it's good. It's the greatest song that's well, ever been written. And the in the stories, he t- he tells a story about like every single thing, and he has a great backstory about you know, you know how uh, you know Harrison was you know so young, and when they did this and that, and how he became a songwriter over better songwriter over time. You know, when he started, he was just basically a hired musician, and over time, his his like um, songwriting abilities grew to their own and he was writing some of the best songs, you know, and just really cool. Like to get one member's perspective of a band where everyone was writing and had creative, their, their creative juices flowing towards the end of the band. You know, it's like, yeah, it's sad that, you know, we'll never hear a Lennon side to it or, yeah. you know, but uh, you know, it's good that, Paul McCartney so lucid and and has a great memory great and he's still memory. with us and yeah because like I said I would love to see a Brian Wilson one but he is so far gone that like when they mm-hmm. do stuff like this he he, he contradicts his own stories and yeah. uh, or he'll remember things wrong and and the Beach Boys had a very troubled relationship with each other still do and so you know their their stories very are very different from each other's but um. There is like a new documentary called Long Promise Road coming out that played, I think, at Toronto International or, or one of the big festivals this year about Brian Wilson. And um, it looks fantastic because he drives around with like a Rolling Stone journalist and he mm-hmm. finally gets Brian to like open up. And it's like he's a whole different person. Um, it, it's almost like he's he's guarding stuff in his brain from people because he doesn't have that trust. And once this guy mm-hmm. sort of gets this trust with them, it's it's like a whole different level of his brain gets opened up and he starts spilling out this stuff and I uh, didn't mean to hijack that, but uh, no, you know, I was I'm, just I'm gonna, excited for that. No, that's very exciting. Definitely. Let me know when that's able to watch. But uh, yeah, like you said, there's a million things about the Beatles in the world. You can learn everything, uh, everything, but I feel like this show does offer something new. It's a really neat little thing. I have to ask you as a person that makes music and has been making music for what, probably close to 30 years now? Getting there. Um, have you been able to do that? Oh, I listen to my shit all the time. I don't know what... But it, can you disconnect from it and listen to it the way he was listening to it? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think another aspect uh, of that, too, for him, 
would be like the age difference. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, the mindset, Everyone all of babies. us know, all the mindset of the w- way we were as either teenagers or in the 20, our 20s, it's definitely way different from our mindset when we're in the 30s, 40s, and beyond. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I guess I've never had the chance to talk about the musical side of it with anyone really since then. Yeah. Um, when I was on the Brett and Tony podcast a while back about music, I had a realization that was pretty neat as far as like, you know, what are your favorite albums? And I picked Wasted Love Songs about how it's a great record and how it was, I mean, it's the thing I'm most proud of musically ever and probably ever will be. But to me, I just even in the moment I was talking about it, I'm like, that that record is more than 45 minutes of nostalgia for me. It's It's two or three years of yeah. this memory put into these 45 minutes. Like from the first time that John played the first song off that record, I ever heard it. I remember where we were sitting in this mm. bar when he played it on acoustic guitar. And I was like, yeah, that song, we need to learn this song. And then from that moment till the end of the, till the record was done and recorded, like every, every memory I have it all goes into this thing. So it's more than, just that 45 minutes of music. You know, I know we're going down a yeah, sorry. pretty big rabbit hole. I, but no, I think like, you know, it'd be cool. You should get a hold of uh, a Brutal Breakdown podcast and be on their show again and kind of do it from that angle. From the music part. Yeah. And yeah. Especially some earlier stuff and kind of revisit it. You know, I mean, I don't know. It just sounds really interesting and neat. Yeah, it's revisit it's, your old art like that. Yeah. It's that, really that cool just be, because he'll like pull up, you know, uh, you know Ringo's drumming or little things, and it's like when you hear it on its own, he's like, oh, you know, it's, it's incredible. Like I never noticed that little fill there or this little thing he was doing. Um, you know, he, he probably noticed it at the time of recording, but you know, he's heard this song a trillion times. He's been playing it yeah. for the last fucking fifty years. Uh, you know, and it, you just you probably just becomes like white noise at a, a certain point. Yeah, but when you hear them, say, yeah. hear the hear the track separated like that, you know, you catch little things you wouldn't notice before. And, that, and that's where Rick Rubin really shines in the show because he can. Right, he's pointing it out. He can be like, "Here's two different styles in one song that you none of us maybe even noticed until he separated it." And you're like, "Jesus Christ, those are two different s- styles." Mashed into one, you know, and it was really, it's really cool. And speaking of old music, I saw Zappa. That was my last Woo! thing. And that documentary yes. on Hulu. So I knew that'd make you happy. And it was good. Oh, man. We could never do, th- never do the McCartney thing with Zappa either. Yeah. That would be amazing. I don't know. The man never shows much emotion. It, we probably wouldn't get much out of yeah. him. <laughs> great that, doc. That was a great doc, too. Yeah, it was. And that's what I watched. All right, Mike. What have you watched? Oh man, this is only second person. Um, <laughs> I, know, I know. Mine will go. Mine will go a lot quicker. I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot. Uh, Brandy and I watched this movie called Monstrous. Um, it's on Shutter. It's a twenty. It's a twenty twenty one film. Um, it's about a young woman who goes searching for her friend who has disappeared in the Whitehall, New York area. And Whitehall is known for its various Bigfoot sightings. Um, so it's a, it's got a Bigfoot in it, and I'm not going to call it a Bigfoot movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it blends a couple different subgenres, one of them being Bigfoot. The other I won't get into because it might be too spoilery, but, uh, 
I I love it when subgenres that have nothing to do each o- with each other and that shouldn't work together and they make it work. This is not an example of that. <laughs> it does not work at all. I there was like a lot of moments I was bored with and uh you at the end of the film you're just like what what was the what was the point of including Bigfoot in this? You know. So, anywho, um watch that, didn't like it. Uh the other one I watched um jumped back into some uh missing gaps in my my jalo watching i watched um strange case of mrs worth worth i don't know how to pronounce it w-a-r-d-h it's from 1979 or 1971 directed by um sergio martino uh stars uh the the stunning um uh edwin fenich um Dude, you guys gotta check out some of her some of her films. She's just awesome. Uh, she plays Julia. She uh, is getting black blackmail letters from a mysterious serial killer. Um, she suspects that uh, she suspects her former lover. Um, and with her husband out of town, she kind of falls in the arms of an of another man uh, by the name of George. And as the killer gets closer and closer to Julia, she fears that one of the three men might be the killer. So yeah, this was one missing from my Jalo filmography, and had to went you know, just on a whim wanted to check it out. But it's got some cool kills in it. It's got a nice little twist ending um, that it caught me off guard. Um, I believe I watched it on Tubi, of course, and so I say check it out. But other than marathoning the fourth season of Atypical, that's all I watched. Oh yeah, I did that too. Yeah. Yeah, once you told me you watched it, I'm like, oh, oh did I you? have to. Yeah. yeah. And we we marathoned it in like two nights. Pretty great. Oh, great. Great. We'll have to talk more about that off <laughs> yep, air now yep. that I've seen it. Okay, I guess that leads to Andy. I'm guessing you watched quite a bit. Uh, I got a few things in. I finally watched uh, A Quiet Pl- a Quiet Place Part 2. Woo. Really, really like that. Um uh, I got a bunch of uh, the Saw Blu-rays in, so I watched like Saw Six, you know, just kind of catching up. Just I, I don't even remember half of them sometimes. So, yeah. but yep, I just w- w- watched that. Um, I also was able to watch um, Guy Ritchie's uh, newest film, Wrath of Man, with Jason Statham. Have you guys seen mm-hmm. this? Mm-mm. Yeah, it sort it, of slipped under the radar. Went to theaters like right at the beginning when theaters started reopening. Yeah, yeah, and it's um it's about um armor armored cars and this one guy. I don't want to spoil it because it's it's kind of like an elaborate uh, plot. But there's the, he Jason Statham gets shot and he basically gets himself hired on this um on this crew that you know transports money in these armored cars, right and. Uh, he goes on one run where they try, they try to rob the, uh, rob the armored car. And basically he kills like everybody there and they're just, and all the other armored car guys are like, dude, what the fuck, John Wick? What the hell's going on? Who the, who, who the hell are you? You know? And I, I'll, I want you guys. I want you, you know, the viewers and you guys to watch it. But I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. But I mean, it's it's actually it's it's not Guy Ritchie's best work, mind you. But it's still a really good movie. And seeing Josh Hartnett act like a dick 
is kind of refreshing. He's not actually a hero in this. He's kind of like a he's kind of a prick. Um, so it's 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 cool to see oh. him and so yeah, and kind of like a he, and he's actually kind of a sissy in this too. Um, but yeah, uh, Jason Statham in Guy Ritchie's Wrath of Man. Check that out. Um, I actually since I I rode a had an elevator ride and met Johnny Ringo and that funny story about that um Michael Bean was at uh Crypticon and he was staying in a hotel and I got in the elevator just not even recognizing anybody that was there and I stood right next to him and I had zero clue who he was from the get-go and he starts talking and then i just i did like a double take and i realized who he was and he got this big smile on his face but anyway i watched uh tombstone for the first time and it, i always nice. wanted to see it and i really really enjoyed that mm-hmm. uh i really enjoyed uh tombstone and i didn't realize that the supporting cast was so good so good uh you've got thomas hayden church uh um, Michael Rooker, uh, Robert Burke, um, Billy Bob Thornton. I was just like, wow, this, they, this freaking movie is awesome, you know? And of course, you know, Billy Bob is in there, you know, he's totally Billy Bob and he, I told you to get that goddamn cigar smoke out of my face, you know? <laughs> uh, Ooh, I think we have so, a new person for <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, I finally watched Tombstone, and the last thing that I watched was a Vinegar Syndrome one that I picked up at Crypticon as well called Pledge Night. Oh, yeah. And it's, uh, I wouldn't call it a good movie, but it's a fun, crappy movie. Mm -hmm. Um, It's basically about a haunted fraternity house during Hell Week, and the money shot of this film is when a guy gets a cherry bomb put up his bunghole and gets his asshole blown out so i mean <laughs> definitely um if you're in for uh some really weird cheesy horror uh check out pledge night and that is what i watched excellent dad what'd you watch it's fitting that you asked me jason because oh. um i watched two movies that will probably be on your watch list oh yeah um, the first one I watched, of course, was an, uh, an A24 movie <coughs> called Zola. Have you guys heard of this? I think so. No. Based on a viral twi- Twitter thread from, I think, a few years ago. Um, so it's based on a true story. I can't tell you really anything about it without spoiling anything. Um, but uh, I, I even struggle to like describe it. Um, it's not a. It's part comedy, part drama. Um, some crazy shit happens. It, it, basically, this this Twitter thread was so unbelievably crazy that um, A twenty four said, uh, "Let's bring this person in as an executive producer and turn this into a feature length film." Uh, mm. And it was awesome. It did a very limited theatrical run, and then like two weeks later, hit on demand. So it is on demand right now. Um, Zola from A twenty four, check that out. The other one, uh, Saturday, I just needed to decompress, turn off my phone for two hours, and um, sort of distract myself for a little break. And I went and saw another A twenty four film, The Green Knight. You suck. <laughs> This movie, holy shit, what the fuck. Can't uh, wait. 
it's wild, man. Um, mm. I can't remember a fantasy movie this ambitious and like out there. And I, I can't fathom why a 24 released this wide, to be honest. I'm not saying that's a, as a bad thing, but sitting in a the theater, there was probably, it was a pretty decent crowd in our theater, surprisingly in Burlington. So maybe I am wrong. Cause people are curious, yeah. but I, it was one of those movies where I sort of was just watching the people in front of me react <laughs> to what was on the screen because it's based on an old, very, very old poem about the green Knight. Um, it's, it's an R rated gory, dark story. Of, yeah. Uh, from, you know, King Arthur, like the, the, you know, old times. And it's, it's, not as much of a slow burn as I expected. Actually, I was thinking it would be in the vein of the witch or something. Um, not at all like that. Actually, uh, pretty well paced. Uh, some just probably the most gorgeous cinematography of the year so mm-hmm. far. Um, really great lead performance. Uh, just a lot of like crazy shit. I mean, I was reading an interview with the director. He's talking a little bit about like, originally this was planned for like a couple million dollars. And he thought, you know, Oh, a guy on a horse riding across a landscape, how much can that cost? And then, um, he realized that they had to have giants in the story and they added all the, uh, crazy makeup. It has all practical effects. Um, adding in the costuming of that period, um, location scouting just for these big, beautiful castles. And, uh, all that shit. Man, I've watched the trailer of this so many times. <laughs> yeah, it's That's absolutely so fucking crazy. Uh, but I highly recommend it. It's it's really, really cool. And then uh, those are the only two movies I watched. I did catch um, some few a few TV things. Um, I've been watching a lot of Olympics. Have you guys been watching any of that? I watched a little bit this weekend. Mostly uh, just it's the a, women's volleyball. It's it's pretty great distraction, like a pretty good thing to have. Like I like having on the background. Yeah. Um, and then I've been checking out uh, Turner and Hooch on Disney Plus. <laughs> Wait, what? A series? Yes. yes, it's a series. And I thought, you know, oh, they rebooted Turner and Hooch, but Nikki likes Josh Peck, and we we're like, let's check out the first episode. This is a sequel to the movie. Um, oh. Josh Peck plays the son of Tom Hanks' character. Um, and he obtains a dog named Hooch. So in this storyline, Tom Hanks um, keeps adopting more of these. Wh- I don't know what kind of dog that is. It slobbers and his big head, you know, like that he has on the show. But um, he adopts one and then he, he passes away. So he uh, Josh Peck's character, who's a new detective, has to take the dog and adopt him. And he's, of course, the, the thing is that he's a very neat sort of OCD clean freak and he takes on the slobbering dog as an idiot. And it's like, you know, the clash, but of course every episode, the dog saves a day. Um, but it's really cool that they sort of made a sequel series out of it. It's pretty well done. Um, Mc, McG directed the first episode. Oh, oh Mike's yeah. favorite. Uh, so that, uh, that was sort of fun. It was a very much an action movie. The second episode that we watched last night, spoiler for anyone who, um, really gives a shit about this it's a it's a homage to Die Hard. Really cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they so many winks and nods, and, and it's a pretty fun little show. Um, and I I do che- recommend checking that out. Um, they brought they bring back some characters from the original movie. Uh, pretty cool little show. And of course, I've been still watching Dave. Um, 
the show about Lil Dicky that I keep recommending every week, and I'll just keep recommending until the season's over. So that's what I watched. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Do you guys like to read? I know you do. Me, me too. Well, listen up. I've got the book for you. It's called Iowa Grindhouse by author Brett Royer. It's a double feature. It's got two stories. That's what double feature means, I think, right? <laughs> First one's called Mill Dam Road. A group of friends on their way to a graduation party become stranded on Mill Dam Road. On their quest to find help, they stumble on a house haunted by the memories of one of their own. Will they survive through the night? Second one's called The Little... The, I always do that. The Litter Monster of Lake Geode. It's maybe a little litter monster. A new nightmare has been released onto Geode State Park. One of our own making. A monster made up entirely of littered trash terrorizes the park, killing anybody that litters. Now, a couple DNR rangers must team up with a hippie girl to stop the monster before it reaches the edge of the park and makes it to town. Sounds pretty awesome, right? Right. right? Mm. Well, hey, guys, you can find this Iowa Grindhouse on Amazon. It's on Kindle and or paperback. Whatever you need it to do, it will make it appear to you on Amazon. Uh, just search for the author Brett Royer. That's B-R-E-T-R-O-Y-E-R. That's B-R-E-T-R-O-Y-E-R. Check out this double feature of scary stories to make you scream. Uh, I bet you guys didn't know. Jason has this really weird hobby. Oh. He collects lamp posts. Oh, uh-huh. And what he likes to do with them is set them up in order of height. This hobby is called pole position. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of pole position. Hey, gang, it's time for pole position. Do you also never know where he's going with those intros? Me either. <laughs> I never know. I, Yet, I, I, I always know, you know. Are you guys impressed <laughs> that I've come up with this many pole uh, puns around the words pole position? <laughs> Not when it comes to poll. Anyway, so <laughs> let's take a look back. Uh, we'll recap an old poll position. In episode 239, the question was asked, what is your favorite Adam Green movie? Do you remember your answers? I'll say it. Insane Mike picked Digging, digging Up the Marrow. Yeah. Jason picked Chillerama. Yeah. Ted picked Frozen. And Andy picked Tales of Halloween. Oh, my goodness, guys. Let's tally up these votes. Uh, last place tie with Jason and Andy. Oh. 13. Oh wait, no, 8% of the votes. <laughs> wow. Pitiful. And winner. Yep. With 62%. That's right. Tad. What? I know. God damn it. Tad wins everything. Not everything. I didn't win a uh, spoiler on the uh, right, this Saints a- games, so... Yeah, but you may or may not have got second place. (laughs) (laughs) Second place is first loser. That's right. (laughs) But all right, let's get into this week's poll position. The confusing question asked, Uh, I'm just kidding, is what, it's like, what serial killer is best represented in movies? What movies best represent serial killers? Mike, do you want to fine tune that question any? Because we screwed it up a little bit. Uh, so, but, Serial Killers. Um, yeah. What one movie best represents a real-life serial killer? Yeah. 
That's it. Well, you go first, Mike. You're up first. Okay. Well, if you've listened to the show at any length of time, you know that uh, <laughs> I have a, a very big interest for most of my life about the story of Ed Gein. You like how I tiptoed around using words like my favorite serial killer. Yep. Yep. Thanks. Um, and one of the things that I've always been fascinated by Ed Gein is the fact that his story has inspired so many great films mm-hmm. like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Psycho. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, so this may not be the best representation of the story of Ed Gein, the movie. Um, you know, it probably would be Ed Gein with Steve Rails back, uh, but I'm giving it to Deranged because I love that movie yeah. so much. It's it's not the most accurate, but it's it's pretty darn accurate for a movie that claims to just be um, inspired by. So that's my pick is Ed Gein. Or I mean, as uh, Deranged. <laughs> sorry, Deranged <laughs> about Ed Gein. Right. Right, we all knew that. All right, I'll go next. Uh, yeah, so the yeah, like you've heard before, the one guy that I've, I guess, not followed, but you know, that affected me the most um, was uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. So um, I've I've seen a lot of his. There, there haven't been a lot, but I know that when in 2017, my friend Dahmer came out, it was uh, it was a great little movie. I really enjoyed it a lot, and uh, mm-hmm. it's a good movie. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a pretty like uh, probably the most straight up accurate you know kind of tale of him as a youth and growing up and getting to the bad stuff and uh, if and I it can, was awkward if, and if I can throw something out there about it yeah um you don't see a ton of serial killer films you know, most times serial killer films is about the the acts of them committing those crimes yeah. and that era of that killer. This kind of predates him doing any of these killings and kind of like sets it, up it's it's more like the signs yeah. <laughs> like you should look for in somebody who's gonna become a serial <laughs> killer. Yep, for sure. That's that's yeah. My friend Dahmer from 2017 is my favorite of them. Uh Tad, what about you, buddy? I went with David Fincher's Zodiac. Um so just a great movie about a crazy story and it's not something that I throw on very often because it's really long and really heavy, but I feel like Fincher is just such a great filmmaker and uh, yeah. th- what a cast. Uh, hard to really top this one for me. Uh, there's there's a lot of Zodiac movies out there, but I mean, I don't think we'll ever top this one, right? Right. Mm, spoilers for later in the episode. And that's why <laughs> exactly why I watched Zodiac yesterday, just a palate <laughs> cleanse from the movies you picked for us, Mike. Oh, gosh. And it was great. All right, Andy, what about you, buddy? Um, I feel like I have to give like a couple <laughs> honorable mentions before I, I give mine because uh, I think there's, there's so many good ones out there. Um, there is The Deliberate Stranger with Mark Harmon. And that is the story of Ted Bundy. That was that was done really, really well. And there is also To Catch a Killer, which is it's a little bit more modernized, but that is uh Brian Dennehy portraying John Wayne Gacy. Mm-hmm. And wow. that's yeah, it's a it's a two part miniseries and it's it also stars Meg Foster and Margot Kidder. 
Margaret, I do, and Margot Kidder. Um, but my favorite, and I'm not even foreshadowing, I'm hitching, hitting you over the goddamn <laughs> head with it, and I will talk about this more in a little while, is uh, the 1976 miniseries of Helter Skelter uh, with uh, Steve Railsback portraying Charles Manson. And basically, I must say, he fucking became Charles Manson. Good one. Oh man, I just thought of one. Oh, too late. I won't change my answer. (laughs) Really? Uh, I won't change my answer, but I thought of a really good one. What's that? Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Definitely. Oh yeah. Stay tuned to the shout outs for that. Well, yeah, all good answers of a touchy subject. And yeah, get your butts on over there to the Twitter at AOTKP. Uh get your votes in on who you think got it right as for, you know some of the best serial killer movies out there and that is pole position all right now it's time to get into uh, the movies that we keep hinting at <laughs> for the past hour or so um so um well hey yeah andy didn't hint very he just plain said it <laughs> uh, andy what is the first movie we're going to talk about uh, the first movie that we are talking about it was Emmy-nominated for three awards back in 1976. <laughs> it is Elter Skelter. Elter Skelter. From the crimes that horrified the world. <gasps> oh, my God, Darren. From the best-selling book that revealed every true and bloody detail. Now comes the motion picture that has already shocked 100 million Americans. Manson, the father, his family, and their legacy of Helter Skelter. Now, Lorimar Productions brings to full life Helter Skelter, the number one bestseller, the true story of the Charles Manson murders. I just kept stabbing her to stop screaming. I just wanted them to stop! If you don't stop, I'll have you removed. I've got a little system. Call the next witness. You think I'm kidding? Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Sharon Tate, Jay Sebring, Abigail Folger, Wojciech Frykowski, Stephen Parent, Lino LaBianca, and Rosemary LaBianca are not here with us now in this courtroom. But from their graves, they cry out for justice. You have just judged yourself. The world had never before witnessed anything like the Manson family. And God help us all if there's anything like it ever again. You say they're just a few? 
Well, there are many, many more. And they're running in the streets. They're all running in the same direction. And they're running right at you. Helter Skelter, the true story, the whole story. All right, man. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, Helter Skelter, nineteen seventy-six. Uh, this is the um, the. This takes place after the murders that took place at one double oh five Ocello Drive in Los Angeles uh, back in August of nineteen sixty-nine, and basically, what what happened was uh, Tex Watson. Patricia Krenwinkle and Susan Atkins went into the Roman Polanski residence and they stabbed and killed Abigail Folger, the heiress to the Folger Coffee residence. Uh, 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 whatever the word I'm looking for, not the residence, but the, uh, the uh, fortune, sorry. And they killed Sharon Tate and her uh, and Roman Polanski's unborn son killed Sharon Tate and basically stabbed and beat to death uh, Wojciech Frykowski, which is was a friend of Roman Polanski and was dating Abigail Folger at the time. They also basically due to the worst timing of all time, they shot and killed Stephen Parent when he was just trying to leave. Um, according to, they did this according to Charles Manson's instructions to start Helter Skelter, which basically, according to him and all of his acid trips that he put his followers through, was a race war that he wanted to start between the whites and the blacks. And according to him, it was the blacks who were going to take over the world and kill most of the whites. But the only whites that were going to survive were him and his family. And when it was all over, he would emerge from the pit, which was basically out in the desert. And he would show Blackie how to rule the world again because the black man would not know what he was doing. So basically, Charlie was a very racist, nasty little man, but the only reason why he did this was because he is a failed musician and he failed at life. But he was able to just basically work his magic and just completely manipulate very broken teenage kids into doing these horrible horrible things the next night they mur they murdered a grocer and a beautician named uh the labiancas in their room and this is where you get a lot of you know the the blood writing on the walls and you know helter skelter on the, well helter skelter because <laughs> patricia krenwick well can't spell for shit and um the word pig was written on the Polanski door in Sharon Tate's blood by Susan Atkins. Another fun-filled fact that after Trent Reznor rec recorded uh, the downward spiral at the house, it was slated for demolition. T Trent Reznor actually took that door with him, and then he eventually sold it to a private collector. But getting into the movie, now that you kind of know the story and as to as to why... 
Um, what an incredible performance by Steve Railsback as Charles Manson. Uh, when I watch this, I feel like the freaking guy is Charles Manson. He has that Manson glare down to a T, which I think is why his eyes are glassy the whole time, because his eyes are tearing up because he's keeping them open for so damn long. Um, the stuff that he would do during the trial, for instance, uh, like when Vincent Bugliosi is describing the murders, he's, he's wiping dirt off his shoe it was just these subtle things that he did that was just like, are you fucking kidding me? He's, he's actually describing the murder, and he thinks dirt on his shoe is actually more important. I mean, he's messing with his hair. He also, he also had a swastika embroidered on his vest. I hope you, uh, on his vest. Uh, I hope you guys caught that. Um, Steve Railsback have- somehow shrunk himself down to four feet tall. <laughs> Absolutely, well, I yes. I don't know how he did it, but yes, made, made himself. Absolutely, you also have Maryland, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, oh. Sally Hardesty Burns as Linda yeah, Kasabian maybe as my a prosecution. Part of the movie for real. Um, and Nancy Wolf as freaking uh, Susan Atkins, and just in her delivery, it was just so flat as just like the, the way she described things. It was just like how she paired Psycho was freaking stellar. You've got uh, the um, the the caretaker at the Roman Polanski residence who didn't hear anything. Uh, is a which is a very young John Grease, uh, Uncle Rico, by the way. And Uncle Rico's dad was the one who actually directed this. Oh. Unbelievably great movie. Uh, please tell me that you guys like this. Don't make me hate you. There, that's all I got. <laughs> We just all gonna be quiet for a minute. Yeah. Say who's gonna go first? <laughs> like I was gonna call Tad's first comment. Too long. Yeah, a little long, but no, I, but I it to, wasn't. Yeah, I have to it take into consideration. Though. Right, it was a mini series, so the way we're consuming it is not how it was intended. Uh, this was, you know, supposed to be shown over several nights. Originally was. Um, I watched this and immediately was like, "Oh, this and like, this a hundred percent influenced Rob Zombie's Three from Hell." I mean, hmm. G- Jesus Christ, he, he just, it's like each of his movies can be like, which one did he rip off for yeah. this? And it, you finally found what he took directly from, and it's this movie. Uh, rewatch yep. Three from Hell after you've watched this and, and yep. tell me that he did not borrow 100% of it. But uh, that's not a bad thing. Um, they did it much better, because uh, I'm not a big Three from Hell fan. But um Man, like, I mean, this is one of the most interesting stories of all time uh, to have it being told like at the same time as it, you know, basically around when it was happening. Um, It was a huge, you know, piece of our pop culture. Uh, Just I don't know how to even explain it. But, um, you know, Manson's a household name. Uh, But, yeah, I thought his performance of Manson is has not been, you know, touched since. Don't know if it ever will. Really creepy, dark stuff. Um just a little like uh, I don't know. I I needed I didn't need every single detail minute by minute of what happened personally. Um I you know, I I saw it and I'm I'm not saying I regret seeing it, but it's not something I'm ever going to pop in again. That's what I was going to say that when I watched it, I'm like, man, it's clear to me why Andy loves this movie. 
because it was a minute by minute description of every detail that happened in this case. And then I'm like, I'm sh- I could just imagine you just frothing when you're watching it for the first time. And every time you're just like, give me all well, the details. Give me the, well, the, the, there's, there's this little things that they did. Like if you, if you guys watched the version that I think you did, like the moment, um, Bugliosi's like, uh, his watch stopped. Oh yeah. That was like the that was like the end of the first part of the mini series and you see Manson laughing and then they would freeze on his face like that. Now that's like <laughs> pant shitting material right there for like the <laughs> mid 70s. <laughs> because this is like still fresh in people's minds. And I'm just like holy shit. Yeah, it felt way more like a documentary than a movie, I guess. Yeah, just because there were so many details. It was kind of cool. If you didn't know anything about this and wanted to, watch this. Yeah. Yeah, this is like the definitive way to sort of learn about this, I would say. Uh, It's not, not, to me, not the most entertaining, but then again, it depends on what you're looking for. You know, uh, I don't know. This, This is, if you want to hear in detail exactly what happened this is probably the one to go to you said that rob zombie stole from this for three from hell i I think the creators of law and order stole from this uh because it's structured like every episode of law and order like the first half is the police trying to solve the crime and then the second half is the trial and um i I found it all really captivating and interesting you know it uh it, you talk about it having a documentary feel to it. I feel like all three of these movies, of all the true crime films we could have picked, all three of those have a very documentary feel to them. Mm-hmm. Right down to, like, there's a lot of narration yep. in this movie. And I liked how the prosecuting attorney at moments, too, would be that would would stop, look in the camera, and narrate the next chain of events, almost like a... Uh, some kind of like uh, avant-garde stage play or something. Mm-hmm. Speaking of breaking the fourth wall, what about Charlie's you know diatribe on the on the bench and when he looks straight into the camera and they're running straight at you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was amazing. Steve Rails back. Holy crap! I, I, you know, anytime I I never really think a ton about Steve Rails back, but anytime I see something with him, I'm blown away. I mean. He's a guy that has played both Ed Gein and Charles Manson and and nailed it both times. Yep. Like two yeah. complete opposite ends of the uh, serial killer spectrum there. He locked himself in a closet for two hours every day in order to prepare for Charles Manson, it oh, says. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, talk about some methods method shit there but uh, oh, shit I mean I've seen a lot of people play Manson and I'm totally with Andy on this um Steve Railsback is the best screen still screen screen uh, Charles Manson yet cuz he really really dips into the crazy you know and just yeah just those haunting stares like you know there's probably people out there it's like well this isn't a horror movie what's it doing blah 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 first of all i want to say um anytime i ever saw a vhs of this uh, back in the day it was in the horror section so Yep. Suck it. And then two, <laughs> just those those haunting moments in the courtroom with with um with Charles Manson, just those those like stares where he's like staring straight into your soul. Or through you. <laughs> like like if looks could kill. 
and disembowel you at the same time. It would be these looks. Um, and this man, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, I just want to say one thing. This this is so important because this man almost single handedly poisoned a counterculture that was so that was supposed to be so good and so wholesome and the peace and love generation, and he just completely 180'd it. That's my like when it comes to films about cults and stuff, I get fascinated and it kind of stems from the whole Charles Manson thing. It's like, how? Like, how, how can exactly rational, rational human beings get so sucked into one man's bullshit? Especially this man. Like, he's he's like not all there. He's very uneducated, uh, highly uneducated. You know, the only thing I can think of is just, you know, just he just kept those kids drugged up to the point where they didn't know up from down. That's the only thing that makes any sense. One one thing that kind of tackles that subject is a mini series called uh Helter Skelter, uh, an American myth. And they they go they go into that and just how he was able to uh they go into his past and they they out, they're able to decipher as to how he was able to manipulate and just you know basically mind fuck these kids it's very interesting I, I i would definitely suggest that as a companion to this uh, part of my ignorance here but uh the scenes on the ranch was that th- that wasn't the real ranch was it the real ranch had burned down like after the trial okay just it like was, pictures I've seen and stuff, I, I I thought it was the real ranch there for a while. Yeah, uh, they 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 recreated that. Uh, the Spawn Ranch did not last very long. Um, I, I think it burned down in like either seventy or seventy one, and there was actually still like Manson follower, uh, Manson family members there, and they were all high as shit when it was burning. It's like, Helter Skelter's coming, you know? <laughs> they were still that just delusional. Um, Barker Ranch is actually still there, and some remnants of, like, old cars, and, like, I don't think the bus ever left, but, I mean, it just got so rotted and torn down and uh, just busted up that there's not, not nothing really there. The only thing that you're going to be picking up is, like, old chunks of steel and... um. Uh, I know that there's, yeah, I know that there's cars and I know that there's a shack. They actually, they they were actually able to find the room that Charlie was hiding in because he hide because he was so damn tiny. He was able to hide underneath like a vanity sink, like underneath of it where where, where the doors are. But his hair was so long it was sticking out. That's how they found him. <laughs> And that was his last days as a free man was hiding underneath that sink. <laughs> oh my. I don't know about you guys, but did did you spend the whole movie like also thinking about how fucking good Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was? I was wondering oh, yeah. if that would get brought God up. Dang, I, yeah. I mean I kinda wanted to watch it immediately I afterwards, did too. but definitely didn't have time for that. No, hey. But another like, three hours, yeah. <laughs> gosh, it just you know, just seeing all those scenes, similar scenes and how well Tarantino did recreating the well, things and the story. That's that's sort of what I was saying earlier about like, you know, this is the minute for minute, like really good way to hear that story. Yeah. 
But that one is the one I'm going to go back to yeah. because it's more entertaining to me. And I know it's yeah. not at all, you know, accurate. But then again, like, I'm not going to watch a bunch of Hitler uh, documentaries, but I'll watch Inglorious Bastards a million times, yeah. watching yeah. him get the fuck shot out of his face. Uh, <laughs> you know, th- that, that violence at the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is like my favorite, you know, fucking oh, 10 minutes oh, yeah. of film. Oh, my That's God, awesome. you know. Yeah, so, you know, no, and, and Tarantino's been of talking it up. Um, he's been doing his tour for the book, yep. uh, media tour, for his novelization of it. And I am dying for him to adapt this into an extended Netflix, you know, version like he did oh, uh, The yeah. Hateful Eight. Because mm. they filmed a ton of Manson yep. stuff that did not make the movie. Oh, um, man. And it's in the book. It's in a novelization. I just, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but, like, I I feel like... And don't quote me on this, but like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is becoming like my favorite film of the decade. Like it might be, Whoa. it might be the. I best. was a bold statement. I was expecting. I just when you said favorite stop. Tarantino film. I was I, expecting right. that out of your mouth. I know that's why decade? it's shocking. It's I, it's pretty good. It's, oh, it's a, great. It's a good movie, guys. I freaking love it too. Don't. <laughs> I also God forgot dang. to uh, out of respect for the dead. J, uh, J. Sebring, the hairdresser, oh, yeah. was also a victim, and he basically he was only there for Sharon because he still had the hots for. Her. Um, but yeah, people say a lot about poor Roman the Roman Polanski, and yes. But a lot of things, because I read the book, and a lot of things come to light about uh, Roman Polanski. As we all know, he's not a very he's not a very good guy either. But he didn't deserve to what he didn't deserve what he got. But yeah, he would. There, let's just say he would make uh, Sharon do certain kinds of films that she didn't look very comfortable doing with other people and I'll leave it with and I'll leave it at that because the cops found the stash. Yeah, that's Roman Polanski for you. Oh yeah. Great movie. Yeah, they definitely got their money's worth out of the song. Um <laughs> <laughs> you could tell in the trailer. Don't know if I like that song anymore after hearing it that many times. <laughs> it's like yet yeah, you were over here air guitar during the trailer. It was pretty hilarious. That's right. Anytime, it, it just it's like look out. Is this when the the cops are talking and they 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 bring up the Beatles and, they, and then then somebody says Helter Skelter. Oh, I'm like, oh no, God. please, they're gonna play the song again. Uh, yeah. They're gonna play Guys. the song again. Anytime Helter Skelter is seen, mentioned, whatever, there's the, the song. fucking Keystone Cops they had in this thing. Did at the beginning when they said just like, oh, and there's blood on this button here, and he pushes the button. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. Oh, I know <laughs> Tina was screaming at the I idiot cop. Like, You're walking all over the shit. What are you doing? I was just like, why don't you just drag the body out oh. of the way while you're at it? It's like, oh, they left a dead body here, too. Oh, let me move that. Yeah. Uh. Jesus Christ. I was like, you dumb son of a bitch. I know it. I know it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I should have wrote it down. Um, I think it was in this one. <laughs> there, was a, there was a sign on a window in the police station that said um, something about... To forgive or to oh, oh yeah, what was that? You should have wrote it down. I should have wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> but to forget, I was so, to forget yeah, is to forget, forget. Is, is insane, Mike. Um, 
I, I I don't think I hurt, but I just was fixated on that sign. I thought it was hilarious, and it was so prominent in the scene. I couldn't pay attention to anything else Clearly. that was going on. <laughs> even even though we we've covered a lot of ground, there's so much more to this case, like with with Gary Hinman and everything. But I I, I won't talk any more about it. I'm just I'm just so glad we got you guys finally. It's the first time watch for you guys, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay, I'm just so yeah, glad you so guys happy. finally got a chance to watch. Thank you, thank you. You know, me too. Because I, again, yeah. I remember back in high school seeing this on the shelf of two or three different video stores in town, and just for some reason, just always passed it over. So I'm glad I finally got to watch it. Yeah, and, I, and you know, there are, there are a lot of good actors in this, but I, I'll be honest, and and I know I'm I am biased, but I'm but I mean it. Like when Marilyn Burns was on the stands, I'm like. This fucking girl is acting circles around everybody in that courtroom. I just thought she was just yeah. awesome. I thought she did mm-hmm. such a great job. Anyway, yeah, she, Go she was great. Yep. All right, so Helter Skelter, awesome. Helter Skelter. Oh man, I said it. <laughs> I should have the song queued up. <laughs> yeah, every time it comes up. Okay, Jason. So what's our next movie? Oh man, the next movie. We're gonna stay in the seventies tonight, kids. From nineteen seventy-one, The Zodiac. Killer. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Bob Keel here. Tonight, we have more news on the Zodiac Killer. Hey, fellas, hold it down. I want to hear this. He writes another letter to the papers. And I quote, This is the Zodiac speaking. I am the murderer of the taxi driver over on Washington and Maple Street. They could have caught me last night if they had searched the park properly instead of holding road races with their squad cars. I'm sick, you say. I should be put away, but I'm still loose, aren't I? Sorry, guys, that was the only trailer I could find. It was from Agfa when they re-released it and stuff, and so that's why it's kind of got modern stuff in there. Okay. Disclaimer for everybody out there, (laughs) that trailer sounds a billion times better than what you actually get, so don't get sucked in. That's true. I don't like like him. (laughs) The Zodiac Killer is from 1971. Uh, It's directed by Tom Hansen, starring Hal Reed, Bob Jones, Ray Lynch, and Tom Pittman. The plot is based on the murders committed by the Zodiac Killer in the San Francisco area. Though it takes many liberties with the actual investigation with the film providing a name and backstory for the killer. Mike uh, gave us a disclaimer instantly before. <laughs> we, he like gave us the list of movies, and he's like, but guys, you're going you're gonna to see the Something Weird logo come up. Don't freak out. There's a reason. <laughs> and how many times has he said that to us? Way too many. Here's times. the thing, to quote Jason. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, I just I feel like you guys when I pick certain movies, uh huh. I you I feel like you think I I do it on purpose just to like torture you. 
But I had a reasoning behind picking this movie. And that reason was actually the best part of this movie, probably. And going out and I was hoping that reasoning would would help soften the blow of this movie a little I bit. Had, I did, I think. <laughs> because I think watching this movie, you know, obviously you realize they had no idea what the <laughs> freak they were talking about <laughs> with the story because this movie was made in 1971 and it t- took place while the killings were still happening they had not solved this case yet so they made this movie <laughs> still haven't and well yeah they made this movie in hopes to draw the killer out to cap to capture him because they they realized that the zodiac killer was really full of himself and arrogant and to know that there's a movie made about him that he would go and see it and they could hopefully maybe track him down because he would probably be the only one in the theater based on what this movie is. <laughs> yeah, it, during the trailer, it's one of the title cards. You can't hear it, but it says, explicitly made, this the first movie in history explicitly made to catch the killer or whatever. And, and I just think that's interesting. Totally. With all these movies about about true crime or anything like historical or whatever to get a movie that is being made while it's still going on. I, I just, just, I thought that would make for interesting conversation, but then the movie happened. Well, yeah, <laughs> I w- and then I was going to, I also was excited to tell you that, uh, when I did watch the, the Zodiac, uh, film, um, in that movie, they referenced this movie. Which is pretty awesome. Oh, no awesome. kidding? Yeah. That's awesome. They literally come out of the movie and they're like, they, they reference that they, they did this movie to try to do it, to try to catch him, and that was hilarious to them. And <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it's uh, man, so here's... here's you almost said okay. Uh, this movie's okay. Let me, you almost said let that. Let me paint this picture. That'll make it even better for you, Mike. Uh, make you feel bad, maybe. Um, so, <laughs> here we are. It's the weekend... It's like Tina always asks, you got homework this weekend? I'm like, yes. And I'm like, Tina, you're gone. I'll, this is the one. You're going to you're gonna be so excited because, I mean, she always is anyway. But And I'm like, can I try? I'm like, you need to come be on this episode too. And she's like, I'm like, what? And she's like, what's the topic? And I'm like, it's just, here we go. True crime. And she literally does the pumped fist in the air. She's like, yes, all right. And her face is sincerely excited. And then I pull, this is the first one we watch. <laughs> and, and now I know why she's not on this episode. And she, so yeah, suddenly didn't make it to be on the episode. But uh, man, she spent the whole weekend cursing you out. It was awesome. <laughs> it was, Oh, she, hey, if she's going to be a true <laughs> crime fanatic, she needs to see it all. And then that's why she did. But if she's going to be a listener of the show, she should know better. She should, <laughs> and that was definitely in there. I was like, Nikki's, like, Nikki learned that fast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She was a it's crime against good. A crime against good taste. <laughs> Yeah, she, yeah she Nikki was will come shocked. into a room and just yeah, Nikki comes into a room and goes, "Is this a podcast movie?" I go, "Yeah," and she'll turn around, <laughs> just leave, <laughs> just leave, not even bother sitting down. Oh, Nikki, <laughs> they're not all that, all this. Come on, all right. Well, tell us what you thought about the Zodiac Killer, Mike. Um, I don't think I hated it as much as you guys, but I also have, um, I also have a. Uh, uh, a, to- a high tolerance, a toler- for, shit. A tolerance for, <laughs> for films like this, like films on the something weird label. You know, I'm a Herschel yeah. Gordon Lewis fan. I, I, you know, um, 
blanking on other. It is a something weird movie. Yeah, it definitely Budget belongs in there, kind of. I mean, it does, it's not as exploitive as something something you would normally see on something weird. You know, it's not gory. Um, I don't think there was any nudity. I don't remember now. No, and, no, and even the low so. budget didn't bother me that much. I was way more forgiving about that kind of stuff. Oh, nice. It, it was, well, because you know why, yeah. for me, why I excuse the low budgetness? Well, one, it's totally 70s. It yep. is so 70s, yeah. and I freaking <laughs> loved it for the 70s-ness. Yeah. But also, too, I, I just... Um, I talked about how Helter Skelter has a documentary feel. This one also, too... Not in the same vein as the other two films, but to me it also kind of had, because of its cheapness, kind of had a documentary feel to it. But maybe more of an industrial film, kind of, um, where yeah. it feels more like some kind of like um, movie made to be shown. Well, okay, this is going to sound weird, but movies, to, a movie to be shown in classrooms, you know, like back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, some kind of like educational film almost. Um, with no educational merit whatsoever, but um, and then some of the set pieces, I just would die. how to kill your film career. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, and then just some of the set pieces in this movie, just I found hysterical. Like the the guy and his and it, you know the the one asshole guy and his wig. Um, that yeah. oh Grove, Grover Grover. That fucking, what a what a what a lady killer. And, I mean, just and why we are following him for like why? a third of this movie makes no freaking sense, you know. And then to proclaim he's that he's he goes to he goes to see his daughter and like is like causing all this mayhem, and <laughs> and so the cops get called, and he has a shootout with the cops where he's proclaiming he's the Zodiac killer. Like what? Why? It's clear it's that he he put up the money for the movie, so he he's got the best the part. part of the movie, dude. <laughs> he he is, is the most unintentionally hilarious person <laughs> in this movie. Every woman is a goddamn bitch or a fucking tramp. You know, it's like I like when he's ordering his food. He's just like, I don't really give a shit. I don't want no fucking rabbit stew. You know, it's just like he's so damn funny. Uh huh. Yeah. This movie is a comedy. I don't care. It's not. It, it may be true crime, but it's hilarious. He, his his character serves no purpose in what this movie is supposed to be. Right. But anytime he's on screen, I'm there because it is hilarious. Because there's <laughs> this movie does drag on, even though it's not a very high running time. It, it drags on, but uh, um, but um, I perked up anytime uh, we got back to his character. So yeah, I think I I probably am a little more forgiving of it just because I have a thing for movies like this. I recognize it's not a good movie, um, I but I still found uh, a lot of aspects of it fun and entertaining to me. Some of the humor that they try to put in it was just so bad, like. <laughs> When the cop can't find the keys to the car to uh, drive the sheriff around, he's like, oh. over there on the n- number nine hook. And then it has the corny yeah, music. At least that uh, scene oh. took five minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, do we need a, a, a comedy relief in a Zodiac killer movie? Probably not. Well, it's going to be interesting, that- especially when we get to the next movie. It kind of feels like, especially with the cops in the 70s era, um, it felt the like that kind of happened a lot. Like the <laughs> cops were comic, were like, like Keystone Cop comic relief. It happens in, in the next movie as well. Um, it's like the only 
any only thing humorous about like Last House on the Left is the bumbling cops. So it's just weird that time period for some reason. That's how cops are portrayed in in horror films. But you know like, what? Yeah, no. What the hell is the, sorry? But what the hell is with the neighbor? You know, he's just like, <laughs> yeah, get me a girl that's like fat and stupid. You know, <laughs> just like, I mean, <laughs> what? Why is that in there? Why? <laughs> why is anything in this movie? But I was gonna say, like, I didn't. I don't think I minded the main dude. Like he, I thought he was all right. Is that Hal Reed? Oh, the the, the actual. The, the guy, the, yeah, the Zodiac, guy. the Zodiac killer guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought he was all right. Yeah, he was. You all know, right. it's a, it's a tough role to play. You know, when you're got to do the talk to the camera type overdubs and try to be badass with you know this no budget shit show that's going on. But I thought he did all right. Yeah, yeah. What about uh, what did you? What kind of print did you guys watch? Was there a lot of scratches and cigarette burns in yours? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. But oh, that's, okay. that's kind of yeah. par for the course for something weird. And that adds yeah. to this to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I, th- I love that stuff. I think the one I watched, um, this is on, there's a couple different ones on YouTube. Uh, hmm. Maybe did I watch that? I'm trying to figure out. Uh, some, they're sort of mixing together uh, the last two movies, but um one of them was uh, American genre film ag, for, ag you know, the, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. They, uh, I think this was the one that they yep, ha- had their logo at the beginning mm-hmm. and, and they put yeah. out a lot of great stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't hate it. I like to give you a hard time about it, but it, <laughs> oh, it yeah. was, you know, for a 85 minute movie, it's fine. Um, you've made us yeah. watch much worse. So <laughs> that's very <laughs> true. Mm. Okay, cool. Just I for was... for something like true crime, I'm at, I I think this is our second time, at least since I've joined doing true crime, and um, just you still haven't like just there's so many great ones. What are we doing? Right with I, this shit. Does <laughs> this you pick this Zodiac one? Make me rewatch David the Fincher. Redic- David Fincher, dude, one of our greatest directors, and you <laughs> spit in his face with this Tom Hansen. Fucking oh, something start- weird. We're starting to get dark. Uh, okay. We're starting to yep, the hate's starting to come out. I was like feeling good there it's for a in second. There. Yeah. Is it time to move on to the third movie? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, we ended up getting more discussion out of Zodiac Killer, and I thought we were. So that's awesome. Okay. So Tad, what's our third movie for tonight? Our third movie is from 1976, and it's The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Samuel P. Fuller, age 24. Linda Mae Jenkins, age 19, brutally attacked March 3rd, 1946. Howard W. Turner, 29. Emma Lou Cook, 17. Bodies discovered in a wooded area on March 24th. Roy Allen, 17. Peggy Loomis, 15. Both found dead April 14th in Spring Lake Park. Floyd Reed, age 34, murdered in his home on May 3rd. Mrs. Reed shot twice but survived. This man's identity is unknown. He was believed to be between 30 and 40 years old. He wore a white hood and was known only as the Phantom Killer. World War II had just ended. In Texarkana, Arkansas, boys had come home to their families. Husbands reunited with their wives. It was a happy, peaceful time. Until the Phantom Killer struck. 
For four months, he held an entire city in the icy grip of terror. Now, Charles B. Pierce brings this incredible, shocking, and true story to the screen in The Town That Dreaded Sundown, starring Academy Award winner Ben Johnson as Captain J.D. Morales of the Texas Rangers. We got a cold-blooded killer here, a man who nobody sees, a phantom who so far hasn't made any mistakes. Andrew Prine as Deputy Norman Ramsey of the Texarkana Sheriff's Department. The only thing we really do know is that we've got a very strange person on our hands. <laughs> the Town That Dreaded Sundown, a true story. All right, the town that dreaded sundown, the story of a hooded berserk killer who terrorized the border town of Texarkana, Arkansas in 1946, leaving no fewer than five murder victims in his wake. No fewer than five, guys. He was never caught, based on one of America's most baffling murder cases. Uh, this is sort of viewed as a cult classic. Uh, had a remake recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, an iconic look. Some would say that influenced Jason Voorhees mm-hmm. in the first two movies. Uh, really do you know like love the look and feel of it. That trailer is probably my favorite of the three. Oh yeah. Uh, just you know, it's this whole episode has sort of a, a grimy sort of uh, like low budget feel to it, and this movie fits right in there. There's there's some really creepy scenes in this one. Um, I think yeah. I've seen this before, and I've seen the remake. Uh, both have their own. They're they're different enough to. Uh, warrant a reboot i would say but um yeah I, this one's not too bad what do you guys think well i i want to throw out there about the uh the remake that it's it's hard to class it as a remake or a sequel or anything because it's so unique where it's a it's kind of a sequel about a movie that recognizes the first movie yeah. as a movie through the whole thing very meta. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the I, I didn't want to go off too much on the on the the remake, but uh, um, I just that's what makes that the second one so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll keep going. Um, I I, <laughs> I like this movie. I've seen it a few times. I've got the I've got the Blu-ray. Um, uh, but I kind of feel like I forget it every time I rewatch it because I like other than the infamous trombone scene. I have <laughs> I always forget God. everything about this movie every time I watch it cuz when I started watching it and and again this is a movie that's heavily narrated throughout the whole thing. Oh yeah. And it really adds to the realism that they were trying to do, I feel. Uh the whole documentary feel again to it. Um Almost. But, almost I mean, narrated like deranged is a little yeah in a, and it, in a sense and it starts off just immediately with narration where i thought i had the wrong audio track on because <laughs> if I, rem- I remember right uh-huh. the if i remember right the commentary track on this is way more talking about the the true crime than the actual movie itself so i thought i had the wrong audio track on. yeah because justin did that right and he got yeah, the guy yeah uh-huh that's right yeah but yeah, it's it's a it's a cool it's a cool movie. Um, you know, it's definitely not the best of the slashers, but I still really enjoy it. Um, Charles B. Pierce also was the guy who did Legend of Boggy Creek. So 
he seemed to really uh I get really these be two, into those the, two confused a little bit in my head sometimes that one and this one for yeah some but reason. yeah because again Legend of Bog Creek is the same it's heavily narrated it plays like a documentary um he plays a patrolman in this too oh yeah 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 relatively same kind of um uh area almost yeah, yeah. Um, one little interesting fact when like kind of doing some research on this movie, of course, it's got Don Wells in it, played Marianne in Gilligan's Island, which is so odd to see her in a horror movie. And <laughs> uh, yeah, RIP. And I'll tell you, I wish she did more horror movies because she was awesome and was. she's a good screamer. She, yeah, she could absolutely. have been a scream queen for sure. Um, but it's interesting because I don't know what the relationship was because I tried finding out, but. She did a couple movies with Charles B. Pierce around this time. He did a um, movie, I think it was a Western called Winterhawk, uh, that I think was made a year or two before this one that she was also in. And then she ended up doing Return to Boggy Creek in 1977, which was huh. not made by Pierce, but Pierce ended up doing um, Boggy Creek 2 a few years after that. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know, Just I love weird connections like that. For me, man, it's all about Andrew Prine. <laughs> Seeing Mr. Grizzly. I just thought I love him. So I don't I just because of Grizzly, I just suddenly like this guy and everything he does, but Yeah. But he's awesome. He I is like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I I I this is probably like the second time I've I've seen this, I think. And it's just like the the first murder scene, like really uh I think no, I think it was the second one when when the he was taking the girl from uh, the the band home, and she's telling him to run, and he's just he's so conflicted, you know, because he wants he wants to help her, but you know she keep you know he's just like he knows he doesn't really stand much of a chance, but and, and then he runs anyway. I was just like, man, that's just that's so disturbing. You know, because he wants to be there for, you know, to help that girl, but he just, he he can't, but he runs and he just, and he still gets shot anyway. And I'm just like, man, God, that's just, it's just, it's just, a, it's got to be an awful sinking. It's an awful sinking feeling just watching it, let alone, you know, knowing that this actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, because there were, there were some survivors that, you know, that lived to tell, you know, mm-hmm. and, but. Yeah, um, and like we like we touched before, it, talking about the previous movie. The, I mean, the cops. I mean, particularly one they call what spark plug. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah and he is he's just a nitwit, and he's. I mean, <laughs> but, you need a little comic relief in these movies a little bit, but. Uh, but the scene with him and drag with the mustache guy in the car that was still <laughs> funny <laughs> though, right? <laughs> it was hilarious. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it was, it was good stuff, um, but. Yeah, and and all the close calls that they had, to, you know, to almost catching him, and um, I, the the way that he those couple girls that he tied around the tree—that's just a horrible way to uh, to go out. And how did he chew on him? You know, it must have been post mortem oh, yeah. because he's got to take that mask off. You know, yeah. he couldn't play the trombone. Um, I, <laughs> didn't play the trombone anyway so. i just i remember tina's two funny comments were just i just remember during the trombone scene i'm personally i'm like i like that scene i think it's a good kill it's a great kill i like it but man she it's a landmark of this hard. movie she's like come on 
And then one it's, time she's like, I think he's going to hyperventilate in the mask. And I'm like, cause he was doing a breathing scene pretty hard there. And I'm like, it's pretty silly. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. It's a good mask. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I thought he was a great actor. And, um, I mean, there were times, I mean, I know I turned to her once and I'm, and he's walking through the woods and I'm like, this is four years before Friday 13th. And this is great. Yeah. This, yeah. oh, this has those vibes and it's mm-hmm. not just the mask. I mean, just this bad guy walking around the woods with a knife. It's like, this yeah. is good. This came first. This is pretty I good. think one of the, one of the money shot scenes for me was when he, uh, he, it was at Don Wells's house and she, he just appears behind that window when that guy's like reading the paper. I'm yeah. just like, yeah, oh, that's, shit. Uh-huh. oh shit. He's there. <laughs> that's creepy as hell because right. You know, it's somebody stalking you in the woods. That's one thing, but to, you know, you don't that's feel safe a general, in your own home. Yeah. Safe, not exactly. safe in your own home. You know, I, in my living room right here, right, right behind me is a big open window that <laughs> is where my deck is. And, you know, the idea of turning around, just seeing somebody standing Fuck there that. staring. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it kind of, I don't even want to turn around right now. <laughs> yeah. It just reminds me when my kids. Board up your windows. Yeah. Of course, I'm the asshole, that asshole father that when my kids were younger, I would uh, sneak out of the house, sneak up on the deck when they were in here watching TV or something and start beating on the windows. <laughs> Jerk. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't figure out why Simon doesn't like horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why Simon doesn't like his father. <laughs> <laughs> why all my children are in therapy. <laughs> I have this really neat memory once we were on tour and I hadn't seen the movie yet, but I knew about it. And I ended up playing a show in Texarkana. And I just cool. didn't put I didn't put it together. Oh. And so I'm sitting there in this bar. It was a really cool bar, but it's summertime and the, it's got screen doors on the bar and it's a nice, nice bar. And then I look and behind the bar is this nailed to the wall framed poster of the town that dreaded sundown. And I just see oh, it there. Oh, wow. On I mean it's an original poster on the wall. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like and then it just all hit me and I'm like, not only yes, but then like then you look around, you're like, th- that if this was this, it was the town. This is a real thing that really happened in this town. Yeah. Want to stay in the next town over tonight, guys? <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, because it never caught And them. it was the just the history. And, I, you know, I wanted to, like, start talking to locals. But, I'm, you know, they're sick of hearing about it probably. But, probably. but it was neat know. to see a, an original poster just that's been on the wall for 30 years. You know, just. It was cool. I was just like, oh, shit, I'm in Texarkana. This is crazy. You never know about that kind of stuff. <laughs> if a town like that would really lean into it. Yeah. Or, you know, a town, or a town like where Ed Gein was from, where yeah, <laughs> I know, I know people who it. got ran, ran out of town because they went and visited Ed Gein's grave and they got followed by people yeah. you know, just trying to run them out of town. But Did you guys notice the uh, theater marquee at the end of this film? That actually said the town that dreaded sundown when all the patrons were standing in line. Oh, I didn't know. Uh-uh. It actually, it actually says the town that dreaded sundown. So they're actually going to the movie that you are watching. Uh-huh. I mean, the town itself is is interesting, right? Because isn't the whole town? It's built on the border of Texas and and Arkansas, right? Yep. Yeah, there's a Kansarado or. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, it's on uh, like I thirty I thirty six. 
Oh yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it's a classic. You gotta classic. watch it. It's yeah, yeah, and the and the phantom's still out there. Or did he drown in the swamp? We don't know. The Phantom Killer is what he's actually called. So, in case you get, we didn't tackle that. <laughs> ben Johnson. So that's the films for our true crime episode. But don't go away. There's still more Attack of the Killer podcast to come. Uh, first, we're going to take a quick break so you can hear about our podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. We now have 28 shows on the network, guys. Good God. Awesome. Including our newest edition, uh, the Cinnamon. 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 Cinnamon movie (laughs) podcast. There's a hyphen in there. Uh, it's a podcast. It's the it's the podcast of all podcasts. The Cinnamon uh, break down <laughs> all kinds of films, discuss entertainment news, weekly top five segments, and so much more. Uh, episodes drop every Monday night at nine p.m. So check out the Cinnamon Movie Podcast <laughs> and all the other shows at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, gang. It's segments time here on the show, and we're going to start off by turning over the show to you guys, the listeners. Here's Jason with shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! 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 Hey, everybody. Uh, today the question was asked, what are your favorite true crime based horror movies? And here's what y'all said on our Facebook group edition. We got Andrew Moeller. That's attacker. Andrew. He says Wolf Creek. Good one. Yeah. Is that good? I still haven't seen that. I feel so terrible. I need to. Oh man. It's good though. It's got a sequel in a series. Cool. That's not the, (laughs) no, that's not the, um, Bobcat one. Goldthwait one though, right? No, that's Willow Creek. I think Willow Creek, of. the Bigfoot. Okay, yeah, that's the, the yeah. documentary thing. Yeah. Okay, that's not bad. Also good. Yeah, yeah, but not true crime. Okay, because Bigfoots aren't real. What? Sorry, Flyboy. Uh, over on our Facebook page, we got Casey Kelderman. He says, aside from the big ones based on Ed Gein, Psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, an underrated true crime is Ty West's The Sacrament. In that it takes the Jonestown story, adds the found footage element, and the Ty West, Joe Swanberg, mumblecore style. Love the sacrament, man. That's what Terry Turford said. Loved the sacrament. Man. Man. She didn't say that because <laughs> oh. she's well-spoken. <laughs> well, She's well-spokener than you. She loves the sacrament, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm with her. That movie's awesome. Up next, Tim Lenerer. He says, 
first one that came to mind was Deranged from 1974. Yeah, I know I'm going to have one vote on Twitter. <laughs> Where the filmmakers lean into the torn from the headlines conceit so hard there's an on-screen journalist narrating things and reminding the viewer every so often that this is all pretty much really happened. So great. I know we had it, we did it on an episode, but just going to reiterate again, I love the newscaster uh, throughout yeah. the whole movie. Just in the scenes where like mother's dying and he's sitting at the edge of the bed narrating the narrating the movie. So good. So cool. Up next, we got Terry Turford with her own comment. She says, Henry, portrait of a serial killer. What? Is loosely based on Henry Lee Lucas. Even, even though pretty much all of the hundreds of murders he confessed to are now believed to be false. It's a good movie, though. It is a great movie. Um, yeah, good choice. Mm-hmm. She also chose The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Yay. Parentheses, both. Yep. The Girl Next Door. Hitchcock's Frenzy is based around a few different murders. Oh, Terry brings up Hitchcock? Of course. Yeah, right. Uh, there are oodles that are loosely based on serial killers, of course. On another note, the documentary Killer Legends is a great look at some of the true <gasps> yeah. crime stories behind select horror movies. That is, Yeah, that is a good doc, yeah. Cropsy, maybe. Mm-hmm. So awesome to hear from Terry. That's yeah. great. Up next, we got Abe. Abe Kirshner. What's up, Abe? Abe. He says, it's kind of a stretch because it's not based on an actual case to my knowledge, but Hard Candy, starring Ellen Page. Mm, Yeah. uh, Elliot. Elliot Page, she says, then Ellen Page. And Patrick Wilson is an awesome realistic crime-based story on an outline about an online child predator getting getting held captive by his would-be victim. That movie's great. It falls into my category of small Disturbing. cast, small locate, you know, minimal location. Yeah, a, a great thriller. Ooh, he said the T <laughs> word. Let's got move, him. Let's move on. Moving on. <laughs> Nothing on Twitter, but over on the Instagram, we got Matt Povia at Matt Povia. He says the Amityville Horror. Okay, that one okay. definitely okay. counts, okay. right? Absolutely okay. counts. Yeah. Whether you believe in the ghost stuff or not, there are still people killed in that house. So that's, that's true. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, oh, and that's God, a crime. <laughs> that's still that's yes. still a crime. Yes, <laughs> it's true, and it's a crime, so it counts. <laughs> not the Lutzes, but the uh, uh, DeFeo, Ronnie DeFeo. Yep, killed them all. You and your knowledge. <laughs> and then, lastly, on Instagram, we got Erica from the Unsung Horrors podcast. Hey, what's up? At- Hex Massacre says, and Mike, you're going to flip. Uh-oh. You love this. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Jim Van Bebbers, oh. The Manson Family. Nice. Nice. That's nice. actually really good. I do really like that movie, although... Uh, but it, There are issues I have with it. Like the Literal acid trip is happening <laughs> in that film. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it took him... How many decades to finish the movie, and it kind of shows. Like some of that it does. But. It, it, some of the new footage is cool when it's like interviewing the same actors, um, like as if it's supposed to be uh-huh. years later, and it is years later. So it's not like it, they, it you know, works. they look like they're in bad makeup or anything. No, they're just literally older, and it's great. But then you get some some moments of the movie that feels disjointed because he wasn't able to get everything that he originally wanted, and. Yeah. You know, and and some of the you know that wrap around with the with the neo Nazi punks and st- with the TV reporter, like yeah, mm. what what 
you know. So, although that although that scene did teach me how to do squibs without actually doing a squib, like poor man's squib, where you you uh, you take an egg and you put a little hole in it, you drain out the egg, then you pour a bunch of fake blood into that egg and seal the hole shut, and then you just throw it at your actor. And it looks like a pretty decent like little squib. All right. You're welcome. <laughs> and that was squib You and your qu- knowledge. <laughs> you and your knowledge. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, listen, you can still get your comments on the show. You can give us a call at our voicemail. Leave us a voicemail, and we'll play that stuff right here. You can call us at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us that voicemail. We'll play it on the show. And that is shout-outs. And now back by popular demand, we assume. Here's those wacky inmates of the Hollywood Asylum with recasting with Christian Slater. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to another episode of Recasting with Christian Slater. This week we're taking a little break from the norm, although normal is not how I would describe this abortion we we present to you on a bi-weekly basis. (laughs) Our break, however, involves a contractual obligation with one of our stars. Said obligation requires us to let a one William Gary Busey host at least one show. I suspect shit will go off the rails pretty quickly. Without further ado, I'll give you Gary Busey. Beatings and masturbations, and welcome to the Gary Busey Good Time Variety Hour. A whole hour, or until they tell me to shut the fuck up. First off, I want to tell you about my 77th birthday party. You got arrested. The show had to bail you out. <laughs> this ought to be good. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Joining us this week for a script we don't even know yet is Don Knotts, Ozzy Osbourne, and Bullwinkle Moose. Jackie boy, why aren't you hosting the show? Just write it out like it's a bad trip, Ozzy. Right out, Jackie boy. Right out. Hey, who's hosting the goddamn show here? Sorry. Well, fuck, and fuck me. Proceed, Mr. Busey. As I was saying, for my 77th birthday party, I was arrested at a Chuck E. Cheese. But let me start from the beginning. Upon entering the establishment, I overheard a phone call about a suspicious vehicle. The, v- the caller informed the restaurant staff that a hot pink 1974 Chrysler Imperial was high-centered on a run-over parking meter across the street. 
It had a very large and distinct Hello Kitty hairbrushed on the hood. It did not seem suspicious to me because that's my vehicle. I wouldn't expect the Busey Mobile to appear any different. It is not the goddamn Busey Mobile. It is an automobile, and you will refer to it as such. <sighs> By all means, continue about the automobile. Upon further inspection, they noticed the trunk was ajar. They found 16 cans of industrial-sized nacho cheese and cowboy chaps made from Velcro covered in sheep wool. <laughs> brilliant! That's fucking brilliant! <laughs> fucking hell, Jackie boy. These guys are talking about driving around in a big-ass car, molesting sheep and drinking nacho cheese. That's a level I'm not even ready for, man. Nothing we can do, just ride this shit out. As I made my way to the dining area, I ordered my favorite pie and sat down to watch the show. What happened then? I got shit from the waitress because I, I hand-tossed pizza with lime jello and ranch dressing is something they just do not make. Perfectly logical toppings for a pizza, ain't they, Gary? I know, right? After finishing all 12 slices, I decided to put on the show for the kids myself. <laughs> I was almost ejected after that. Goddamn people act like they've never seen a dildo on a pogo stick before. <laughs> Ew! <laughs> How does that even work? Jesus, Knots, don't fucking encourage him. <laughs> we'll talk later, Donnie. <laughs> Can we just cut to the goddamn chase here, Donnie? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Now, since I had turned 37, I always rode the helicopter that went up and down in the game room. No. Upon doing so, I ordered my favorite cocktail, which, of course, is a cream cheese and Jack Daniels served in a bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> However, that did not get me busted. <laughs> Screaming, beware of the squirting platypus while being naked, slathered in hummus, and drinking out of the bowling ball got me busted. <laughs> God damn, I'm at half mass right now. I fucking love this guy. <laughs> Jackie boy, can you hold my hand, please? <laughs> Congratulations, Gary. You just scared the shit out of the Prince of Darkness. I'm not even sure how it ended to segue out of this. Don't worry, CS, I got you. This week we'll be doing scenes of, from 1988's Child's Play. Don Knotts will be reading for Chucky. Bullwinkle will read for Karen Barclay. And Ozzy will be reading as Dr. Death. Slater will, as always, will read the descriptions. Let's get this show on the road. Okay, give me a second. Give me a second. Get a drink of water here. <clears throat> okay, interior apartment, living room, night. Karen flips over the Chucky good guy doll to reveal there are no batteries inside. 
Suddenly Chucky's head cranks around and says, Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? Startled, Karen drops the doll and it rolls underneath the couch. (laughs) (laughs) Cautiously, Karen pulls the doll out from the couch by its leg. She shoves it a few times, no response. She rises from the floor and holds Chucky away from her face. Talk to me! Come on, talk! She violently shakes Chucky. I said, talk to me, dammit! All right, then I'm going to make you talk! Karen marches across the room with the doll in hand. She lights the fireplace, then holds Chucky above her head. I said, talk to me, dammit, or else I'm going to throw you in the fire! Chucky's face contorts into a snarl, and he lunges at Karen. You stupid bitch, you filthy slut! I'll teach you to fuck with me! (laughs) Ah! Ah! (laughs) Karen wrestles with Chucky until he he bites down on her arm. (laughs) Karen tosses Chucky aside, and he darts out the room. End scene. Scene two, interior, kitchen, Dr. Death's house, day. Dr. Death strides into his kitchen and pulls a teacup and saucer off a shelf near the refrigerator. (coughs) Hello, John! John pivots and then drops his teacup when he sees Chucky standing on a corner across the room. The cup and the saucer shatter on the floor. Hi! It's me, Chucky! What do you think? The gray gray work? You know, when I came here learning all that stuff about how to beat death, I thought that maybe you were pulling my, ch- pulling my chain. But not now, but only one problem. What? <sighs> Chucky points to a couple of bullet wounds. This! I didn't think anybody think anything could hurt me, but last night I got shot. And you know something? It hurt like a son of a bitch. It even bled. Mm. Now what's that, John? You're sounding human. What? The more time you spend in your body, the more human you become. Chucky stands and points a finger at John. You mean I have to live out the rest of my life in this body? John nods. No fucking way! You got me into this! Get me out! I can't do that, Chucky. Why not? Because you are an abomination and outrage against nature. You provide everything or taught you and use you for evil. You have to be stopped. John dashes into the next room. You know, I thought something like this might happen. What? What the fuck? 
Suddenly, Chunky puts on a fruit hat and begins dancing and shaking a pair of rockets. <laughs> Jesus, Gary, what the fuck is this? I'm just trying to lighten this stink burger up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but you're shitting all over Don Mancini's script. It's okay. Dom DeLuise and me go way back. <laughs> Not fucking Dom DeLuise. Don Mancini. Dom DeLuise is fucking dead. Well, if he's dead, he ain't going to give a shit now, is he? <laughs> Just read the fucking last line, Donnie. I'm a pepper. You're a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper, too? <laughs> <sighs> this concludes another episode of recasting with christian slater where the men haven't put away our childish things including the fear of child's play and the desire to be a very grown-up till next time This inductee may be a bit different than most. Um, a lot of you out there might think that this uh, Czech filmmaker is more of an art house filmmaker than an actual insane's pick filmmaker. But a lot of his stuff has a lot of like horrifying stop motion animation and disturbing dark humor and weird content. Um, among his interpretation of classic stories that makes me a big fan and feel that he has a place in Insane's Picks Hall of Fame from around the world. So this time I induct the, the Czech Republic animator filmmaker Jan Svankmeyer. <clears throat> Jan's early influence on his later artistic work was, a puppet, was at a puppet theater that he was um, given for Christmas as a child. He studied at college, he studied at the College of Applied Arts in Prague and later in the Department of Puppetry at the Prague Academy of Performing Arts. He worked on <clears throat> Emil Raddock's Rad uh, film uh, Dr. Faust in 1958 and then began working for Prague's uh, theater uh, where he founded the Theater for Ma the Theater of Masks. He began making short films with his first one, The Last Trick, in 1964. It's a 12-minute film about two magicians with, a, with giant paper mache heads that try to outdo each other with their magic tricks, ended up leading the two magicians to dismember each other at the end. <clears throat> Svankmeyer gained a reputation as a filmmaker for his use of unique stop-motion animation, his animation was very surreal, nightmarish, and often oddly funny. His trademarks, and what I enjoy the most out of his work, uh, include very ex exaggerated sounds, often seen in eating scenes in his films, for example. Uh, his movies often include inanimate objects being brought to life through stop motion, most of the time items that should probably never be animated in the first place. Jan would also use clay objects to uh, in his stop motion as well. Uh, food ends up being a common theme in a lot of his shorts, uh, including one of my favorite short films of his called Meat Love from 1989, which is a tender love story about two pieces of meat that find each other and fall in love. 
His work was mostly unknown here in the United States until the early 1980s when writer Andrew Johnston wrote about Jan in the New York Times uh, praising Svankmeyer's art. However, Jan's filmmaking career wasn't always met with high regard. In his own homeland in 1972, communist authorities banned him from making films, and many of his later films were often suppressed. However, this does, this does not stop Svankmeyer. His first feature film was Alice in 1988, which was a mixture of live action with, a, uh, with hauntingly creepy stop motion. Alice is a dark, loose adaptation of Alice in Wonderland. And I will not even attempt to pronounce the original Czech Republic title, (laughs) uh, but when it's translated, it means something from Alice. One of my favorite feature uh, films of his is Little Otek from the year 2000, also known as Greedy Guts. Uh, It's a film about a couple who learn that they cannot have a child of their own. In order to help his wife cope, he cuts a tree stump to resemble the shape of a baby and gives it to her. The wife treats the stump as if it's a real baby until the stump itself comes alive and grows an uncontrollable appetite that ends up leading it to eating people. Greedy Guts is often dark and disturbing and, at the same time, very funny. Uh, It's definitely not for everyone as it contains many subject matters that may offend someone including this old man character that is a pedophile, and whenever he sees this little neighbor girl on the stairway, his pants zipper becomes animated, and a hand reaches out from his fly to try to grab the girl. (laughs) Yeah. But it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely worth it for the uh, for the tree stump animation and when it grows bigger as it like uh, devours people and whatnot it definitely um, makes it a lot of fun uh, even amongst all the uh, other sick and wrong content now Yan's work is sometimes um, very you know disturbing and sick and wrong uh, oftenly childishly funny. Um, surreal, but always really creative and inventive. Um, I love his work. I love his imagination and where these ideas are coming from. Uh, he's often talked about in art film circles, uh, but we won't definitely hold that against him as we induct <laughs> Czech Republic filmmaker and stop motion animator Jan Svankmeyer into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. <laughs> Oh, I can I can just see it now how you stumbled onto this guy. You're oh, let me just paint the picture. You're doing your <laughs> usual Google search, meet love, you know, and scroll, 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 scroll. Hey, what's this short film? Honestly, the uh, if you want to know how I stumbled upon him, I know that was all for a joke. But uh, the truth of the matter is, I first found out about him at the public library. You know how the library will have movies, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it is like a lot more of like. Like classics, a lot of art films. You'd definitely see a lot of earlier um, Criterion uh, DVDs there. Uh, and then I see the, see this movie there called Alice, and it's by this Czech Republic filmmaker. And looking at some of the still images on it, I'm like, and it talked about it, how it being stop motion, which also intrigued me. I'm like, this looks really weird. And then so I saw that, and I thought it was awesome, and I've been – you know, trying to track down his movies ever since. He's he's hard, a lot of his stuff is hard to find in the states. Although I've been able to find a lot of his shorts and even um, Little Low Tech on YouTube in full. So 
I recommend checking him out. He's cool. just he's super weird and awesome. I love meat. Yes. <laughs> you can see Meat Love on YouTube. Yes. So that's it for this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I want to thank everybody out there for listening and stay true to your crime. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast.